0: Mr. Pop,
1: eat. <laughs>
0: Dark. When the little birds are nasty, and I listen to them through, there's two lost people in the whole wide world, like the end of the land in the moon.
1: Hello, and welcome to Mitzkatonic University Radio, a podcast exploring fantasy flight games as Arkham Horror the Card Game. I'm Ren. Previously Dana, but now legally Renata. Ren for short. And I'm Ben. And today, we're finishing our trot through the Scarlet Keys player cards with, debatably, the most exciting part of the set. The customizable cards. Definitely debatable, though.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh... They're definitely interesting. They
1: they got a lot going on. So... One-third of the cast would rather go... Watch a giant lizard massacre people, then talk about customizable cards, which is fine. I respect that choice, and giant lizards are great. <laughs> to be fair, I've heard this
0: giant lizard like really massacres some of the things in this one. Like, nice. You know, Very ghosts, cool. goes back. It's not, it's not as friendly with everybody like the last couple couple hmm. movies that have been out.
1: Yeah, there were giant apes and mechanical lizards and three-headed lizards and moths, <laughs> I guess. I mean, so, yeah. it's all
0: classic stuff, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so do I just dive into these customizable cards?
1: Yeah, I'm excited. It's been a long time coming.
0: So I think our plan for these is we're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna we're gonna talk about each card at least briefly, but there's at least one card from each class that we're we're pretty excited to discuss more. So we'll focus on those at the end of each uh, set of classes. I think. So. uh... So just to summarize these, so Hunter's Armor, this is our first one here. It's just a four-cost asset that has some health and sanity soak. It takes a body slot. Or Actually, should we remind people what Customizable is in general <laughs> before, we, before we go we into We probably it? should, yeah. <laughs> so so the, the, the gist of these is they're all base level zero cards that have a, a level zero-ish effect, um, but they all have an upgrade chart. Where you can pick different upgrades by spending experience uh, to modify the card. So I guess like for example, Hunter's armor. Its baseline it just has some health and sanity soak, but then it has uh, a bunch of different upgrades such as durable, durable, which gives it plus two health. So then it has four health soak instead of two. Yeah. Or hollowed, which gives it plus two sanity, and then there's a and there are other effects a little bit more complex that like. Enemies take damage after they hit it, after it's assigned damage or whatnot. So totally. So all these cards have like six to eight of these, and they're also different experience values. So like the durable I mentioned, it costs two experience to apply it versus uh, Armor of Thorns, which is the, the bigger bigger upgrade on this, which costs three experience. The experience you spend applies to all copies of the card you have as well. So if you have two copies of Hunter's Armor and you spend two experience to get durable, both copies will now have durable. Yeah. So it kind of makes it a level one card.
1: Exactly. Yeah. The most important like thing is that the experience that you spend on the customizable part of the card is on a ratio of two to one. Every two experience Mm -hmm. that you spend equals one level. So if somebody can only have, you know, zero to two guardian cards, this hunter's armor can, you can put up to four check marks on it. Right. But the way that I try to evaluate these, and these were hard for us to do, which is why it's coming out so late because like We all kind of had mixed opinions about how they were at first because there's not really a way to evaluate them on like, this is a good card or this is a bad card. So like, typically these ones were like, I would rank them at level like level zero as like kind of 0.85 of like a regular card. If a regular card, like a level zero card is like a one, these are kind of like a little weaker than regular cards, but they like get more powerful as it goes on and come kind of come into it as you spend more experience on them. Because, like, a Hunter's Armor, like, four for two and two, you've seen that on, like, Tetsuo before. And Tetsuo also has an additional effect. Granted, he takes up the ally slot, but, like, you know, he's three cost for two soak, two soak. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: I would say a lot of the base levels don't seem super impressive. But then as yeah. you add on the the various effects and, and they compound with each other, it can make them a bit more powerful. So the scaling is, like, a little bit sharper. Is that the right term? <laughs> um as it goes up
1: yeah for sure yeah it also means you have to invest more in them right
0: yeah so you really do commit to some of these cards to to make them kind of focal points of your deck especially in in lower xp campaigns like like the scholar keys um can be you know
1: yeah and i used hunter's armor it was it was great i used it in a carson deck and it was great fun it was cool soak wouldn't recommend it for everybody though
0: yeah, do we have any of the notes on Hunter's Armor? This was actually a very good example of a customizable card for, for how it works. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. I think a lot of these cards are, like, very specific to, like, a few people who really want to, like, buff their playstyle in doing these things. Like, I'm thinking, like, Carson, Tommy. That's basically it. <laughs> Carson and Tommy. And then, like, anybody else is like, eh, maybe.
0: The, yeah, the majority of these effects are kind of, like, help you help it be defensive. So you're soaking damage and horror... Or maybe you get a benefit from after you take damage in horror. Like the, the Hex Drinker, you get to draw a card. Armored Thorns, you can deal damage. Which is super
1: great. Yeah, for sure.
0: So it's, it's it's a decent defensive card, and you can kind of modify it based on the campaign, whether you want like health or, or sanity or you want it to, to splash back damage or whatnot. So. Exactly, yeah. Uh, so let's take a look at custom am- ammunition. So this one's a three-cost event that is an upgrade that you attach to a firearm. And its base effect is... If you draw a non-chaos token while using the uh, attached asset, you can cancel it and draw again. Non-auto-fail, so right? redraw when you shoot your gun. Yeah, non-auto-fail, yes. And then the upgrades are kind of just additional upgrades to to the gun. <laughs> so thematically, it's like, oh, I'm attaching this this uh, this leather grip to my gun, or I'm uh, adding more uh, ammunition and whatnot. So uh, are there any of these particular ones? Like, the, yeah, there's, there's instead stock adds plus combat. There's ones that reduce the cost.
1: This one's really ones cool. Add extra ammo or extra damage. This one's kind of like one of the few build around me card, like customizable cards in that there's one specifically that's counterbalance. No, which one is it? It's like whenever you, atta- yeah, yeah, it's counterbalance. After you attach an upgrade card other than custom modifications of the attached asset, you draw a card. So it like encourages you to to like just dump a whole bunch of upgrades and then you get benefited, right? Hmm. By like just putting all your eggs in one basket. It's like kind of that card. Also it's great because it goes on um stick to the plan. So it's like really, really helpful that you can get that later and then kind of like stick it on there. And my experience with this card was I was playing actually uh I was playing the Hunter's armor into Carson deck next to a sister Mary who had the uh the Winchester hmm. and she played custom modifications on it and a whole bunch of other things. So she just like geared up her gun and i helped her i like gave her a bunch of actions to like gear up her gun and then she ended up doing like a ridiculous amount of damage with like upgraded vicious blows with this thing you can redraw in case you get you know curses or uh like minus eights or whatever if you're playing expert or whatever so it's it's a good time like this card is a very fun card if you're doing that you know the the voltron gun build yeah i do like
0: this in the upgrade um build just because there, were, there wasn't too many options before, and this kind of all at once added, like, six new options <laughs> to, to, to yeah. upgrading a gun. Oh, yeah, totally.
1: Yeah, Quicksilver Bullets is fantastic.
0: Yeah, I haven't tried it out yet, but, like, uh, you know, I know Tom, it's Tommy, right, that has his, uh, has Becky or not. That's, mm-hmm. you're supposed yeah. to, like, build upgrade, and when I, my previous experience playing him, I was like, uh eh, this isn't that great. But now that I think there's a lot more upgrade cards since then, including this, it might be really fun to, like, you know, make a, you shouldn't be a good Becky to, to shoot things or whatnot, or... Even, like, someone like Tony or someone that has custom weapons, it could be fun with. I don't know if Tony can make use of this guy, but...
1: He can take it and he can do, like, you know, up to level one. So he can get the mm. Counter rounds or the Extended Stock, but, like...
0: Eh. Yeah, but... Okay. Um, you want to talk about the next one?
1: Yeah, so the last one uh, is Runic Axe. It's a unique Guardian asset at costs four to play. Uh, it has a combat icon on it. It's an item, weapon, and melee... It has uses for charges. Replenish one of these charges at the start of each round. And then it has a fight action here. You get plus one combat for this attack. Before this attack, you may spend any number of charges to imbue the axe with that many different inscriptions. The first of which is accuracy. You get an additional plus two combat for this attack. So that would be three in total. Second is power. This attack deals plus one damage. And then it takes up two hand slots. So it's kind of like your dedicated, you know, Smiting tool of choice, and then the upgrades kind of do various things to enhance that. Like some of them, uh, like replenish charges faster, or you can pick two different things when you're using a charge. But the kind of the main point of it is that you are in- inscribing it with these different inscriptions, and this is actually the only like good customizable card that actually got a taboo that it was so good. The inscription of the hunt was kind of problematic, <laughs> in that you immediately move to a connecting location or engage an enemy at your location, which is really, really useful. It basically made it so that for one action, you could engage something, and then if you spend another charge, you can, you know, deal plus one damage if you're, you know, already confident with your combat or whatever. But basically, like, this card this card is, is a house. It is very, very good, and it is... I've seen it many times hit the table and do very, very well. I think the only weakness for this card is that it can run out of charges, and when it does, it's kind of like, you you need to have other options. But otherwise, this card, I feel like, is, is I will say, the best of the customizable cards in my experience so far. And please, if, if anybody has other experiences with all the other customizable cards that we're going to be talking about, let me know, because I, I have been fiending to play each of these, and trying to make them work, and trying to put them in decks as much as I can to get all their goodness out. But Runic Axe has been fantastic as as far as I've seen it played. Yeah,
0: I've also used Runic Axe um and had a good time with it. I don't quite remember what combo of charges I use, or abilities I used, but it, it could be your main weapon once you get it on the board and it has a couple upgrades. It can uh I think i I think I was using a two player, so it wasn't like a I didn't have to like attack every single action. <laughs> so so I was able to kind of balance the charge use out so that I was basically never out. Which is great, uh, and I could do burst when I needed to do it because I would get ancient power mm-hmm. to like pump up the damage or pump up the combat if I needed it. Uh, I don't think I ever got script weaver, even though I desperately wanted to. But I don't think I quite had the experience to do it. But the script weaver, I assume script weaver combined with like having a couple you know, the movement inscription or the uh, the AOE inscription is why it's got nerfed a little bit.
1: Yeah, exactly. Saga, the one that lets you move, do three times. With the movement thing is nutty. You can just fly across a map for one action. It's it's nuts. <laughs> yeah, I I don't
0: think I actually I don't think I actually made use of that in my run, but that I'm kind of sad about it now because it <laughs> does sound very very <laughs> fun. Um, yeah, have you done? Did you try using like glory or elders or um, either? I guess either of those two. Yeah. So actually.
1: For the first time in, I think, my Arkham career, not the first time, but one of the first times in my Arkham career, I'm actually doing a solo run, Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm using this card in a Parallel Roland deck that's really fun. And Inscription of the Elders is actually fantastic um, because Parallel Roland doesn't have the ability that regular Roland does where you can just kind of pick up a clue whenever you defeat something. Mm -hmm. But combine this with Kicking the Hornet's Nest and, like, Evidence and things like that, and you have just very reliable, like, picking up clues. Mind you, in solo, you only have to pick up, like, one or two clues. Two at the, probably the most, like, right. on any location. So, like, when you runic act something, it's just dead. And then you get, generally speaking, if you can get the Elder's buff, you just pick up the clue for free. You don't even have to test, which is fantastic. Not, beyond the, the actual, you know, killing the thing. But... Elders is great. Glory has been fantastic because it lets you know draws draws a card, heals damage, Draw, heal, yeah. and then Fury uh is is I haven't played with it yet, but I'm imagining that it works the way I think it does: injury meters. Where if you hit yeah. the 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 main mob, it just destroys the rest of of the mobs, right? Like that on that swarm card.
0: Yeah, I think so. I, I can't remember exactly the swarm rules, but I think you could attack the main one and do damage to it you can't kill the main one until all the swarms are dead but you definitely splash on them
1: yeah it's pretty cool uh
0: yeah i so yeah basically all of these i think have interesting applications and 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 they all kind of work together for the most part which is nice so i think on some of these other cards you the upgrades don't combine as well it's kind of like they're either very independent or like it's like oh i want to get this set versus this set which you know that's still two different builds but this one's just very flexible
1: yeah and like The biggest cool thing about Runic Axe is that it gets you the plus one combat natively. You don't even have to spend a charge to do that. So if you're, like, fighting a rat or something, you can just kill it pretty easily at a five Mm -hmm. to one or whatever if you're Roland or somebody. But the accuracy, like, giving a plus three to anything is absolutely massive. It means that, like, investigators who have, like, a a native three fight for, like, a skids or, I don't know, Sister Mary or something can use this and be at a comfy six. Like, six Mm -hmm. is a great number to be at if you're fighting anything, like, small whether it's cultists or ghouls or whatever like it's it's pretty great It kind of shores up the inherent weakness of some of the investigators
0: the flexibility of when to use the charges for extra combat or extra damage or or whatever is is definitely very powerful and and that is a way to make it so you don't want to have charges
1: totally 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 so yeah i I think runic axe is great it's good stuff i like the art too it's kind of kind of a oh it's great and it's fantastic for zoe You've said you've, you you yeah. only believe in Zoe builds that that do close range murder. You don't want any guns. Here it is. Yep,
0: yeah, this is good. This is an approved Zoe weapon. Uh, I don't <laughs> know. Runic, is that, it, is that somehow blasphemous for uh so Zoe to use, or is that okay? Well, I was gonna mention. I don't
1: know. Now. It's, it's runic, runes. are generally like a Norse-inspired thing, right? Like Nordic runes and yeah, like that sounds... sort of like edge of the edge of the world. So it's maybe not the god that Zoe is it Is it tied to about. North mythology, or is it tied to I don't know. I, I, I can't really make out the runes on it, but if anybody is a is a Nor- Norse rune expert, let us know. <laughs> to to see if Ben can really truly run this in his canon Zoe builds. It treads the edge for uh, for Zoe's yeah. <laughs> uh uh holy quest. You know, she
0: has to use uh capital G god of weapons,
1: so. You know what, it's actually kind of like thematic for the next set cuz the next set is uh, you know, veil. Mhm. And that's kind of like a Scandinavian like, so sort of, you know, like that yeah. Swedish Midsummer type thing. And this is kind of like up there in that region. So maybe.
0: I have not really looked into like what the whole theme of that will be other than it sounds like there will be a festival. Uh, and I think it'll like take place at the <laughs> festival, hopefully. And I predict there will be some type of Cthulhu's at that festival. Like it might oh, not be sure. up and up. So, uh, so yeah. for the Seeker cards, um, so Raven, Yay. the Raven Quill, uh, this is a. Three cost uh, event, it's a relic and an upgrade. Um, so when you first put this card in your deck, you have to pick a tome or a spell asset and record it on your sheet. And then um, the Ravenquill can attach only to that asset. Uh, when you resign or the game ends, so if you have it in play, you get a, basically a free upgrade. You can reduce the experience cost, cost to, um, oh, sorry, excuse me. You use it to upgrade the attached asset in the next scenario. So you can use it to upgrade a spell cheaper or a tome cheaper if it's in play. And then all of its... Uh, yeah, or itself. Can you check what... Oh, yeah, upgrade sheet or the experience cost, right? Yeah, okay, so it can, that's great then. So I thought it was just the asset for a second yeah, there. Yeah, it's pretty good. And then all of its effects are, are mostly stuff that make that asset better. Um, so I guess it's it's sort of similar to the, the, the custom modifications except this is for a specific tome or spell um in that it's and it's upgrading it in that way so like there's there's a couple that like uh increase the skill value makes it doesn't take up slots um you can move secrets or charges around you can ready another asset with it and um oh the big one here at the end here is you can <laughs> when you play the urban quill you can summon the card from your deck yeah you can, you can it tutor it from your
1: deck hatch. which is super cool yeah Supernaturally super cool. Yeah, and you
0: can add a couple other tomes or spells to it to make more versatile, which helps you like maybe save some experience down the line because maybe you upgrade a couple tomes with it, or you want a specific tone for a specific situation, so you tutor that out.
1: It's really cool. Yeah. Uh,
0: also, very sick art. This is a oh oh Dragon totally Car- cool. Bonus R- points R- if you Car- play this with 12. Mysterious
1: Raven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm picturing this in like a Daisy build. I- I'm playing it in Rex currently. Um, and there was a really cool Rex build out there that's using this which with interwoven ink. And then with like, a, I think it's, what's the original tome?
0: Old Book of Lore. Old Book
1: of Lore. Yeah, yeah. Old Book of Lore. So it uses Old Book of Lore, attaches the Raven Quill to it. When you use the Old Book of Lore, it unexhausts your um, fingerprint kits. Because fingerprint mm. kit recently got a level four version, which gets three clues. And for those who know Rex Murphy you get an additional clue beyond that. So you get four clues in one action with that. And then also you can, next action, use Ravenquill's Old Book of Lore to look through somebody's deck, even if it isn't yours, untapping the uh, fingerprint kit and then using the fingerprint again. It's super great. It's super cool. It's very, very fun. But obviously this would like in a super cool book daisy build where you're like throwing around books and you got Abigail and you're summoning this out of your deck. Sounds like fantastic fun. So yeah, I think I think this card is really fun. I think Secrets mostly just kind of like, spoilers, got the coolest cards. The most interesting, anyway. I mean, that's that's par for the course, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. No surprise there.
0: Yeah. So, uh, Alchemetal Distillation. So this is a secure asset. Takes up a hand slot, costs two, Has starts with three supplies on it, and its ability is you spend a supply... Uh, pick somebody at your location and do an intellect test, and if you succeed, that person gets to, uh, do something beneficial. Baseline is draw two cards or gain two resources, but half of the upgrades are, like, heal, or uh, gain a charge, or move, and the other half are give it supplies or make the test more difficult to add a, make the effect, make you, so you can do two effects, or make the effect, uh, effects, effect more powerful, like draw three cards instead of one card, so yeah a lot of versatility there mm-hmm. and once you've pumped it up with empowered or perfected you can kind of uh get some big big swings out of it
1: yeah and i think a lot of the ones just kind of as a general note about all of the customizable cards they seem to have like you know kind of us talking about them at level zero being a little bit under the power curve this one at level zero is like you probably just don't even play it <laughs> on the first scenario yeah. You know, maybe you're playing it with a refine so that you can refine it during the scenario and, you know, kind of cheat some XP there. But like the majority of the time, like you're just not playing this until you actually do a lot of the action based things. Like I was saying before, you really want to get one of the things that enhances the way that it works, like perfected in this or empowered where you can choose two of them or you can up the difficulty for an additional card or resource or whatever the number is. Same thing with with. um runic axe like the way that the script reaver and everything worked was like if you get one of those it gets a lot better so this one like sinking five or four experience into like the one of the bottom texts makes it like worlds better because if you're drawing two cards and gaining two resources for an action that's much better that's much more palatable Mm. than just gain two resources right um and that's what i'm doing i'm doing a a rex science build i'm just cramming all of the research cards into into a deck and just going with it because rex can handle it and it's been fantastic fun, um, just kind of upgrading it on the fly and you know healing people, giving them cards, because you can choose anybody at your location, which is nice. So this is replacing the, um, the need for healing in basically every, everybody's decks, because um, mm-hmm. it can heal two damage, two horror, and then they can also draw two cards and two resources if they feel like it. So it's, it's very, very good. Eventually, asterisk, <laughs> at like eight or ten experience, it starts getting good. Well,
0: Vincent, because this is set Vincent came out with.
1: Oh um, yeah!
0: Does it pop off with this at all? Because of the healing part. I mean, Carolyn can also take this once it has the healing ability. I think I don't know if we mentioned that, but if a customizable card after it's upgraded, you know, will, would then qualify for somebody's deck. spent you can spend the experience when you buy the card to have upgrades on it already. So like Carolyn could buy this yeah. for one experience to have the healing effect on it, and then it'd be allowed in her deck as a general horror healing card. Once even once it's upgraded past level. Uh, whatever level she can take of secret cards probably She was the other one? I can't, I don't remember. But
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: So yeah, I could see how this could be a good resource for healing or whore healing or damage healing. So I guess what I'm seeing with a lot of these cards so far is they, they did a pretty decent job of making sure it had to be at least level two, if not level three, before it could really pop off.
1: Yeah, exactly. Which is definitely good
0: in terms of uh, power flow. Um, for sure, but it does make it. It does make the level like zero to one range kind of eh, not as exciting for for someone at least,
1: yeah, yeah. and and a lot of these cards, i'm I'm excited to see kind of like the way that they go in the future because, you know, like this, for example, is like kind of foreshadowing for Kate, right? Like mm-hmm. on the on the yeah. download, it's a science card, right? So everybody's excited about it being science card and what Kate does and whatever. But yeah,
0: have we she hasn't been fully spoiled at the time of recording. Have we seen if she does something specific with science yet? I think maybe we saw the front of her card, but not yet.
1: Yeah, we've we've seen her signature, but we haven't seen anything else. I don't think.
0: Okay, so but we're assuming we're assuming she'll have access to science just because that's her entire deal of science. I'm a scientist. Who else would? You yeah. know, she's she's kind of like the scientist, like in every movie that's like an expert on like five different types of science. Oh yeah, for whatnot, sure. Right? She's like, like she's that's, like that's... Nicolas
1: Cage <laughs> in The Rock. <laughs> just inexplicably <laughs> yeah. good at science and they'll take him along and somehow he's yeah. very very lucky on everything yeah so or or is she actually just focused on like chemistry or something i, I don't i don't remember right
0: she had, she builds like a portal machine so i feel like she's probably <laughs> got some expertise across the board
1: yeah yeah yeah. she's one of those people who dabbles in um you know theoretical physics or whatever yeah i feel like dan would have a lot to say about this <laughs> yeah he, he probably would I mean, we'll, we'll talk. We'll yeah. talk about her whenever she actually,
0: whenever they come out next year. Or yeah. yeah. I, th- I think those for are sure. coming. I think they're currently scheduled for like January. I think. So. Soon.
1: It's coming. So, what about empirical hypothesis? So, empirical hypothesis is a two-cost seeker asset. It has an intellect symbol on it, and then it has talents and more science. It is limit one per investigator, which is pretty important. And it has a forced ability. At the start of the round, you choose one of the following criteria for this round. A, if you fail a test by two or more. B, if you succeed at a test by three or more. When the chosen criteria is met, you may exhaust empirical hypothesis to add one evidence to it, and then you can spend evidence to draw a card as a fast action. It takes up no slots. So pretty pretty versatile, pretty cheap. Um, and a lot of the time, at least for seekers like who have like five intellect base, you know, you get a Milan down and you're at a Troud 1 or 2 location, you can pretty reliably draw a card for the next few rounds um, if you're succeeding by 3. Obviously, this has synergy with our boy Daryl, um, who loves evidence-based things. This is kind of an easy thing, even if you're kind of going a weird fail build where you're trying to fail tests. You know, it's got it's got that for you base kit. And then the upgrades here are a lot to do with enhancing the way that you spend your evidence and kind of making it more accessible so... Uh, some of them are like when you run out of cards in hand, or when you're dealt damage or horror, you kind of can choose those hypotheses to add the evidence to it, or you can do like when you spend, it uh, gains, you can spend two evidence, reduce the cost of the next card you play this phase by three. So it has some flexibility there. It can also discover clues, quote-unquote, testly later, but i found honestly just the the main power of this card is just the fact that at base level, at just level zero, you can pretty reliably, as a as a high-powered seeker draw a card every round (laughs) with this if you just decide that the other most important one which i think you've played with ben was the um the field research which adds the criteria that you enter a shroud a location with three or more shroud because your guardian might be scouting ahead and you're like oh i'm gonna go there this turn anyway so let's let's pick this hypothesis for the next round and then we'll enter there and confirm to get a card this card is
0: strong because you can prepare for it every round you do have to pick it before the Mythos phase right. pops off, so it could derail your plans. But even mm-hmm. uh, it's not like it's the next test you have to fail or p- by two or succeed by three. So even even if <laughs> even the Mythos phase, you can pass this uh, pick succeed by three and and pass it and pop it off. So the the biggest problem
1: for this card for me was always remembering to make that decision before I do a Mythos. That's card. right. Yeah, it's like it's like <laughs> oh. the infestation bag in dream eaters, right? Like I, I'm always like. Start of turn. Oh, crap, I didn't pick an hypothesis. Yeah, an extra timing step.
0: But it's definitely very strong, and I agree that this is one that is, is good at level zero. Because if you're remembering to trigger it, <laughs> you uh, you could draw like almost every round, and, and it, it's a nice like passive draw. It doesn't take up any slots, which is great. Um, and then some of the upgrades can make it uh, more flexible for, for triggering more consistently, and... Um, give you more options to spend that evidence on and then obviously with daryl you have his additional ability to to spend evidence
1: for sure yeah
0: yeah so i i I do like this one a lot i've just now actually looked closely at this art of this professor i was just thinking that so bored with whatever he's teaching even though he has like a cthulhu skull on his desk (laughs) it's it's funny so i was actually gonna mention those two things too (laughs) his his face is like uh these kids are not gonna learn anything
1: I feel like Dan has made this face more than 10 times while he was TAing. You know, young Dan is just like, what don't you understand about this? And and we need an art of just young Dan doing this, just pointing at his complex math equations and just being like, how do you not understand this? But also that that little Cthulhu skull, the tentacles, I don't know if they're supposed to have skull, like like parts of their skeleton in the tentacles. Right, like, <laughs> yeah, Correct me if I'm right. wrong. Like, maybe they have like creepy like I mean, teeth in there or these, something. But...
0: These are these are alien creatures we can't understand. So you know, can't even comprehend do, it. Maybe they maybe they do have bones in their tentacles in their mouth,
1: in their faces. I don't know. <laughs> but fair, yeah, fair. it's certainly something a lot to think about. <laughs> yeah, I feel like mechanically this card is is probably pretty boring, but also obviously pretty good. You know, the secret thing. <sighs>
0: I mean, that's that's the trick with a lot of cards, right? Is sometimes like the most boring cards are also just good, and it's like right. not as exciting to it's play just, them. It's just
1: yeah, but yeah, it's right.
0: like uh, this is in fact good, so yeah, you know right. you gotta have some of those in, in your deck. Fair, um, fair. If you're, fair. If you're yeah. not if you're not going too nuts, uh, let's look at the road cards. So damning testimony. So this is an illicit uh, asset. Costs four to play, and starts with uh, three evidence on it. You can exhaust it to pick an enemy and investigate, or excuse me, pick an enemy at any location. and Investigate, and if you succeed, you can spend the evidence to discover an additional clue, clue at the chosen chosen enemy's location. So you are investigating your location, and then if you spend the evidence, you get to get a clue at a, at a different location, basically, or it could be your location as well, but. So you know, it, it, it's a way to remotely fetch clues, which isn't isn't terrible by itself. But we do have other options. I think even in uh, they're mostly in seeker, but there are there are other level zero options that let you remotely fetch stuff. No, even in even in rogue, there's the oh yeah intel report and whatnot. So yep, 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 yep. As for the upgrades, yeah, definitely, I definitely read this before. I Definitely didn't pull a damn. <laughs> so there, <laughs> you get extra evidence or have a boost to your intellect test. Uh, you can. And then there's alternative ways to spend the evidence, such as evading the enemy. Some of the bigger upgrades let you investigate directly at that enemy's location, and then expose. Uh, this lets you spend multiple evidence to discard the enemy if it's not elite. Where the the amount of evidence you spend is equal to the enemy's health. Uh, is there a way to refill the evidence on this other than being like Daryl? No. The answer is no. No. <laughs> Which makes it feel not very good.
1: <laughs> um, we we get we get one. I feel like every episode we should get at least one card to bash on. This is that card. Danged testimony. This card belongs in hell. There's a YouTuber who who plays and he does fantastic playthroughs of things. But he he has the victory zone is called the hex zone, and this this belongs in the hex zone. This just belongs like out of out, in the binders. Can we just put this in the in the binder like before the binder trials? It's even got somebody pointing at it directly to the body it is a testimony it
0: is like somebody (laughs) in court accusing someone of something right or or or, yeah which that is very funny yeah i i I think like some of these effects are useful but there's also like alternative ways to do like basically all of this
1: with yeah
0: if this had a way to refill it then i think that would definitely make it better
1: i don't know why it's evidence I like Bob or uh, not Bob. Um, Daryl can't even take it. Uh, like it wouldn't even be bonkers if it was secrets or whatever. Like, can't he take cards even. that say evidence on them? I thought he could. No, he's just zero to five, uh, seeker and zero to two, or no, zero to five survivor, zero to two seeker. He was, he was the the missing one of the missing links. I guess I should know that because I played it so many times. When you think of this card, right, what immediately comes to mind? Trish, right? Like Trish is mm-hmm. the one who wants to like remotely do cool things with enemies, evading things, leaving them there to like, you know, installing wiretaps on things and, and you know tripping up enemies and stuff. Yeah. And boy, this card is bad. <laughs> boy, this card yeah. is bad. Because you spend the you spend the evidence. You can't even use this card efficiently if you don't have an enemy on the board. Yeah. Which means like if the guardian is doing their job. You just you have to be like wait 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 don't kill it yet I I need to accuse it of public indecency I don't know like I just I need to like those rats over there yeah they were they were playing hooky on from their job of being rats somewhere you know what I mean like it's just and you can't ever get the additional clue it's just it's yeah it's so unbelievably situational. There's definitely timing concerns
0: there. It's it's rough because even if it's if you pick the enemy on your location you're still doing an investigate so you're gonna provoke an A O O unless you. You have the upgrade that doesn't get an AOL. There's one of those, right? right? Yep. Oh, there is. Okay.
1: Nope. No? no. Oh, is there? there are... uh, no, no, there isn't. No, there yeah. isn't. <laughs> no, I there was is going to say, ah, no. Man. There's one on the yeah. alchemical concoction in case you need to do some science yeah. real quick in front of a, a, you know, an ogre, but this one? No, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. I... The, I think the best thing about this is that it can ignore the effects on the investigated location.
0: The search warrant for for like, uh I forget which campaigns have that.
1: Circle undone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Haunted kind of stuff. But like, yeah, even then, stuff. even then, you're paying four for a hand slot for this thing that that only works if there's enemies on the table.
0: There are builds even on like solo where you're like evading stuff
1: instead of killing it because like
0: it takes too many actions to kill things.
1: Yeah, and Trish is good at that, yeah. right?
0: So I I, I I could see some uses. I just I feel like there's just so many other options, and this costs a lot of yeah, experience the, to like even get up to the level where you are doing some of the more powerful stuff. So
1: I'm playing this card in like the optimal situation where I'm actually Bob and I took this card and I was like, oh, I'm going to sell this to Joey the rat, level three, <laughs> okay. and then I'm going to scavenge okay. it back so that I can continually, you know, use it. Refresh the
0: evidence, okay.
1: Right, right, right. And I was like, this is great. This is going to be great. And then I was like, I can't even use this card if there's not an enemy on the table. You can't even use it. You can't even trigger it.
0: Yeah, it's part of the, yeah, it's part of the cost. It's part of the cost. Uh, well, so you can So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they're not all the greatest. Let's look at Honed Instinct. <laughs> um, yes. So this one is uh, this is an event. Cost one. It's a gambit. You can only play it after a certain condition is met. And like I like most of the upgrades are adding additional conditions, but the base ones are when the Act or the Agenda advances, or when you succeed at a skill test by three, and then you get to immediately take an action, uh, max once per round. So, I mean, rogues like extra actions. Rogues, yeah, A lot sure. of rogues like to do big skill tests and pass by a lot. It syncs up with that to give you an extra free action. So, yeah, as I said, the, the upgrades, there's just a bunch of different conditions, like you take damage, a location appears you play something and enemy engages you so there's a bunch of them so that you could probably trigger it almost whenever you want yeah and then the other upgrades are like your skills get boosted during the action one gives it myriad basically it makes it cost less that's nice so it gives you three copies and and it costs zero i think that one's the coolest one and then the last one the cost five is when you play it you get two actions instead of one but then it gets removed from the game. So if you have a deck that maybe is not cycling as much, maybe you grab that so you get more uses out of it. But
1: Or if you are cycling, it thins your deck, right?
0: That's true, too. So I guess I don't have a good commitment to memory of like what other rogue cards give extra actions. There's a bunch of them. Like how does this
1: compare to them? Yeah, oh, yeah. So there's like, if you're thinking of like other one-of effects, right? Like if you're thinking of like quick thinking, for example, that's the classic rogue skill i think it's from dunwich actually Mm -hmm. where you commit it it just gives you an icon uh, a wild icon and then if you succeed by two or more you take an additional action classically a good card right you'd put it in at least one copy of in generally most most rogue decks because it's good for a lot of occasions um especially if they're tony or somebody who has high high uh stats um you can use it pretty well so i think what we're like rating here is like what is the what is the cost of an extra action like like how much is too much for that And I think, like, there are cards, like, um, there's a card that just straight up says, fast, two resources, take an additional action. Forget exactly what it's called. That kind of thing is, like, I feel I've always felt like that's too much to pay. But this card, I actually, I haven't played this myself, but I'm very eager to. But I've actually seen it played. Here's a plug for Metropole Grid, who is a classically a Netrunner streamer, um, who has many great things for the great game of Netrunner. But this past uh, April Fool's, he did a deck dive into Kaimani, and he made this really cool underworld market Kaimani build, because Kaimani starts with an additional five experience, with these honed in- Instincts. And it actually turned out really, really good. And I was, I was actually surprised, because I was sort of down on this card at first, because like, including one card, you know, it comes down to deck slots at the end of the day, right? And 30 of your deck slots, if two of them are j- literally just taking extra action, but only when these certain things happen, how good can that be? And it was surprisingly good. You got a lot of use out of it, especially in lower player accounts where actions are more important, right? Like if you're a solo or duo, having an extra action is is much more impactful than if you have four people who can all run around and do all the things. I think that this is where that's going to see play more. Especially if you're doing things like, what's that? There's a rogue card that says you gain money equal to the number of actions that you've taken. Payday? Yeah, yeah, payday. There's also a new one that gains symbols each time for each Mm. thing you've taken. Which is also kind of, you know, there's a synergy with X number of actions type thing. Rogues love their extra actions.
0: I can see that, yeah, like, yeah. once you upgrade, maybe if you get one or two of the upgrades that for your deck you know you can, like, trigger when you need to, then so that you can play this more consistently, then yeah, I think it's pretty reasonable, and... Rogues can really compound... The the, uh, oh, the big themes of Rogues are compounding actions in order to build up and do a big, ridiculous thing, right? The, the big, ridiculous yeah. things. So I think this works well with Here's that.
1: Here's a question for Rules Master ben. Uh-oh.
0: Gonna dust off the rules dictionary. If
1: you double-double this, does that max once per round apply to the new card, or... You know what I mean? Like, does is that max once I per round? Like, it, does that mean you can't play multiple copies of it? Yeah, uh, max. I'm pretty sure okay. Down. applies to all copies.
0: Limits. I think no the, limit. I think is the individual copy. If I remember correctly, fair. My, my fair. rules. My rules tome is a, is a little dusty, so it, it could be <laughs> too much. Baldur's there, Gate. I, <laughs> yeah, it's it's being filled with a lot of a lot of Baldur's Gate as of late, but um, <laughs> yeah, I. So yeah, I think double-doubling this wouldn't help you, and you couldn't just like chain hmm. three of these in one round or whatnot. Yeah. Uh, also, I also think they stick that on a lot of like fast uh, action-gaining cards these days due to Fair. Uh, infinite deck nonsense, basically. So There's some
1: people wilding out there, for sure, with all yeah. this ridiculousness.
0: But yeah. Do you have an opinion on this art? It's, it's like an action, like the motion blur of the dude's hand, as, or the person's hand, as they're like grabbing their oh, gun or yeah. something. Yeah. I was staring at this for a second, and I was like, I was like, is this weird AI art with a bad hand? And then I looked closer at it, and I was like, oh no, it's motion
1: <laughs> I get it. <laughs> um, I thought it was just some dude who really needed to go to the bathroom, and he's like, on his way to the bathroom or something. <laughs> but I like it way better as, as I've, I've always pictured this card as a Tony card, because Tony gets mm-hmm. a lot of actions, you know what I mean? And like, there's one on there that just says, you know, play this if you're Tony, after an enemy engages you, right? So oh, yeah. you just get extra actions. So I feel like it's very thematic anyway. Um, I feel mean, like it's it's cool in that sense. I, I like it. I like the art. So, you want to go over Friends of Little places? I mean,
0: we've talked about this one before, uh, like years ago. Oh, yeah. So ago, I mean, we spoiled now, this one. Yeah, but now we've had a chance to actually play with it more, so we'll not you go over yeah,
1: it? Yeah! i played up with this a lot. So this is a zero-cost event just kind of as a refresher. Uh, intellect and an agility symbol. It's a favor. Um, and then you choose a trait when you purchase this, and we're going to see that a little bit more on the other cards. So once you record this trait, it says, look at the top six cards of your deck for each looked at card with the chosen trait. You may spend one resource to add that card to your hand, shuffle the remaining cards in your deck. And then the upgraded options are uh, you can basically modify the number of cards that you're looking at, what happens to those after they return, uh, after you're done looking at them. You can help people do it. That's not just you. So if you have, like, a synerg- synergy in, in your team, like, let's say everybody's playing a lot of items or something, um, you can kind of, like, help other people out if, if you don't really want to use it. But the big ones for me with this, after playing it a bunch, are uh, Prompt. You can play it as fast, so that that just improves it tenfold. It's so good. And Clever, which is not one I, that I initially took. I, I initially kind of played this in a Safina deck where everybody was playing Cursed Stuff, um, and I used Versatile and Helpful to make it so that multiple people, I double doubled it so fast you can split it and then have two people look through their decks for a bunch of cards. a lot of value there. but when I played it again, um I used it for like prompt and experience and it's just look at nine cards, you know, if you have a bunch of extra money, even if you get a couple or three or whatever, the money doesn't actually matter that much because you're playing rogue and generally you should have a lot of money, right like they're they're kind of balanced around having a lot of money. So it's just gotten better and better. Initially I was kind of like a little little questioning and and I think in our earlier takes of it it was it wasn't that great but this is one of the, I think the better of the customizable cards for sure. Yes.
0: I definitely see it as a powerful tutor effect. I guess I I'm, I'm staring at clever trying to to rules process it cuz instead of shuffling it's weird that it says you may place each slip on top of your deck but I think if you choose instead of shuffling you have to place them all on top of your deck. You can't shuffle just some Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. Because I was thinking, oh, can you shuffle, like, the six, six, the four cards you don't want and then place the other two atop your deck after that or something? But That's not how play I've it played works. it. Yeah, I don't yeah. think it works. But, but it's still a powerful tutor. You could dig deep. I guess it's interesting that you can play it on other people, too. Uh, I don't remember that. Yeah. So, like, if you're synergized with somebody else so that you could play it on just you and someone else, that does seem like it could be good. Like, you, maybe you have the card For you need sure. already you use it on someone else. Um, yep but uh yeah i definitely i definitely see it as a as a decent enough tutor card we always like cards that re- replace themselves with better cards <laughs> that's your deck out right
1: yeah 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 and i i like the art some of the other customizable cards have that effect too like empirical I- hypothesis also does like there's like a helpful variant where you can actually like so- let somebody else
0: hmm.
1: fulfill the thing and then trigger the thing that you want to do but friends in low places it's 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 pretty rage just because it's only one experience to like get that and yeah i know you're gonna mention the art art's great yeah like- thematically this card's so fun to play too because you're like hey do you need any items i gotta i know a guy you know what i mean <laughs> you can kind of just like hey this
0: is i think we uh i'm sure we talked about this a year ago whenever we looked at the art this is the the lady from dunwich right that were returned to dunwich
1: yeah naomi Banyan.
0: yeah okay she, cause she also has red gloves and a red, uh, flower in her hair, which does oh. that mean, is she, is she really the, the woman who red gloves or something or, <laughs> or you know, <laughs> like very
1: suspicious. Well, the she can't go- be Amaranth. Amaranth <laughs> was the, uh, the vindictive lady of turning everybody to zombies. So she, yeah, she already had a red flower power,
0: but is there a specific right, right, name right. for the type of like glove that like goes over your elbow? Is that... Is that a thing? I think or they're, they're elbow length gloves. Uh, they don't have a fancy name. I don't know. I, I just—it just occurred to me now. Maybe I don't like, know. Oh. It's like there's gloves that just go to your wrist. Glove you wearers, reach All out
1: right. to us. Let us know. <laughs> Comments at miora.fm. All right, let's look at uh, let's look at the mystic cards. All right, I guess we have to. So first up is Power
0: Word. Um, so this is a spell event cost three. It's fast. You can play only during your turn. You attach it to a non-lead enemy. And then when the anomaly is at your location, you can spend an action to parlay with it and give it a command. Limit once per round per command. Uh, the default ones are go, which makes it move one space. And the uh, other option is cower, which automatically exhausts it. And then um, about half the upgrades give you other things that you can do, do to it. You can deal damage to it. You can make it heal investigator. Or sorry, not betray. Da- deal damage to it. You make it deal damage to another enemy. Uh, you can have it discover yeah. clues for you. You can have it evade other enemies. Uh, any oh evade any enemy at this location. Oh, I guess it can hurt itself then, or evade itself. Yeah, so, so you can kind of make the enemy. You're like kind of controlling it, but it's still an enemy, so it's kind of like resisting you a little bit. So like it, it'll still yeah. attack you, or whatnot, even if you have these things going on. But you can force it to evade itself or hurt other things or heal or whatnot. And then uh, the other set of stuff, you can pull it back to your hand. You can oh you can activate the parlay ability when you're in one location away from it. That seems like it makes it usable. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. You get uh, on then, the phone with it. You're like,
0: hey. And then similar to some other ones we've seen, like you can use it. You can do two commands at once with the parlay, or you can have a. Three copies in your decks. It's similar to Myriad. Uh, when you give a command using one copy, you also give the command to each other enemy with your copy.
1: That is the coolest one.
0: That one, yeah, it makes it so you can hit all three enemies at once with it. If you have tongue twister, There's a lot of setup you, involved. Yeah, it, nine it resources a of setup,
1: set up, but.
0: So I haven't played with this card. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you had. I've seen people talk about it because it feels like it could really break a scenario. If you can just,
1: like, take control of the enemies and, like, use it each round. Um, Kinda, does yes. It, does it work? No. <laughs> I Mystics are not, like, the rich class, right? Like, and maybe if you're playing, like, who's the mystic rogue or rogue mystic? Safina and... Oh, oh, uh, Dexter. Dexter. Dexter, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, like... Again, I was thinking, is it is it is it Asterion? No. Um, so... <laughs> so it needs to be engaged with you unless you get the upgrade so you need to like it engages you you do the thing and then you well, you know, have be to evade lo- it or something it just
0: be at your location so if it's an aloof guy or someone else somebody else or
1: i guess that's true if it's if it's aloof sure like if you have if you're cool. playing this on birds go for it yeah. do the thing <laughs> but like so it's not elite obviously or else it'd be you know it'd break a lot yeah. of things but like that's kind of a downside the only way that you can ever... The cool thing is that you can betray. So, like, you can have a bird betray Azathoth. And then, like, the bird does damage to Azathoth. Because it, does, it doesn't say that the thing that it's dealing damage to needs to be non-elite. So you can, like have little things fight the big beast for you. Yeah, but only
0: if it has an equal or lower fight value than what you're controlling. So you have to get a beefy That's, bird. Yes. It's, it's
1: very, very limited. There's a yeah. lot of conditions on it. And for that reason alone, it's, like, really, really hard to trigger and do and keep track of. On top of that, we got an errata, <laughs> because it was too good this way. It was it was too strong to be used, and we got a uh, Taboo in the latest Taboo list, which came out in August.
0: So this, yeah, do you, this parlay is, is this for every parlay? It's giving it a test three, or is it just for yes. The go? Yes,
1: it is. Every single time you activate this card, now you have to do a test of three. Will a will test? okay yes it's a will test sorry i for whatever reason it didn't copy the little will symbol when i copied it over here but yes it is a will test of three um which can be improved with fine clothes right If fine clothes it's down to a one but no longer is it just parlay do the thing it's like parlay test if you can overcome their will and then they get to do something and then it loses the heel i believe and then you can push them you can tell them to go somewhere and then it also adds cower, which is this enemy exhausts. So I don't know. It was like it was already like okay. borderline. Like I really had to bend to I, make it. I played I'm, with Harrison.
0: Wait, I think I'm seeing the the pieces are holding together. I, I reread Mercy. This heals investigator at the enemy's location, damage or horror equal to the enemy's respective damage roll rating. So it negates yeah. any attacks it's doing. So if you're able to combine that with like ton twister, so you can give multiple commands then you can cancel out its healing or, or just be a net gain healing while it's standing on you and then use
1: the other effects as you need. I, I assume that's what was happening here. Probably. Like, there's, there's some, like, you know, 9 or 10 experience thing that's, like, probably, like, really good or was really good anyway before you had to take a test to do it.
0: Even if you use it on, like, the aloof enemies, you just have them chilling on your space and you use the button that does the Thrice Spoken so they all heal you. It's like, oh, one action I heal three horror and three uh three damage or something i don't know i I, yeah i I can see i can see how the puzzle fits together where this could be very strong there so much so that they they removed the mercy ability i thought it was just like one damage or one horror
1: no 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 yeah yeah yeah. i don't know i played this in uh harrison and i's ill-fated kaimanogatari run and it was like when i got it to work we just still got steamrolled by enemies because it's still very action intensive because just because you get to heal the damage that they would be doing, you also have to exhaust the enemy. You know what I mean? So like you're you're spending an action to heal, then you're spending an action to exhaust them, and it's like you get one action to either move I or mean, you know do whatever else you need to do.
0: I think I think once you have the tongue twister, then you're you're spending one action to make them do a thing and also make negate them hurting you with better, mm. exhausting them. Yeah, that's fair.
1: That's fair. So I yeah I I can see how that that can work together. And this card is thematically the coolest in like. In you know narrative play, like if you're into like doing cool table dramatic stuff, you know you're you're summoning a rat and you're gonna be like, "Leave us, rat!" And then you know the rat goes in the other room or whatever. Like yeah. that's great. I love narrative flourish for sure.
0: The theme of the magic of you know it's mind control magic or, uh, um, <laughs> that's something we haven't really seen. Just because it's giving a player the ability to control a monster is extremely powerful in games sure uh like e- e- even like just like thinking about D D, like I-, I dm occasionally like <laughs> when players re- remember their spells other than like fireball to like start like manipulating npcs and whatnot it's it's a it's so much more, so much more difficult to challenge them because it's like oh you sure know, yeah, here's yeah. a big enemy it's like oh what if i cast
1: a, a spell it could be take control of
0: it now i have this enemy <laughs> and the tables have turned completely on, on the fight and just one yeah. swing
1: yeah, and then you have so. to change all the bosses' like health values plus a thousand yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't don't reveal be behind the curtain. But yeah, I I think this is really cool, and I can see why people are excited about it for sure. I I wonder how much this like getting rid of the heal effect makes it. You could still just automatically evade itself, right? So you just can't chain heal off it, so you can negate them hurting you. I guess I don't know the difference between cower and the the automat the
1: distract <laughs> because. Those are the same thing, right? Well, so the Stract makes it evade another enemy. No, it says automatically evade any enemy at this enemy's location. Yeah, it could it could be itself, but it could also be used on something else. Right, so there's there's literally no point to this cower effect anymore then, right? I think. It's just because they they didn't want to just, you know, strike it from the record, I think. They just wanted to give you something in But they made it
0: one experience. Maybe I'm missing. Maybe there's a rule I'm not missing here. I, I guess maybe there's there could be an enemy that like can't be evaded, but you could still exhaust it. Maybe I don't know.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I. It's just this is this was the card that I remember when we first looked through the cards when they came out. I was like, this has the most potential. I thought to to break stuff just because of I was like, oh, dude, giving that power to the player. All right. Like, the way, though, you can break scenarios, there's tons of scenarios that are like, there's a flow of enemies into the scenario, and this is what you deal with them, but giving the player the power to like take control of them. It could also almost be action economy, again, D&D. Like if you have more actions, sure. more, more things you can do. It, it applies to Arkham, too, obviously. The more actions you have, the better. So if yeah, you yeah, use yeah, this yeah. to net gain actions and also disable enemies, it, it can be pretty cool. I haven't I actually played that. it myself. It's uh, you, Did you say you had played it or not?
1: I did play it, yes. Yeah. Honestly, it was it was the most exciting thematic card for me because mm. Harrison and I's friend, Tim, aka resident mystic expert Tim, was very excited to dress up in a wizard's costume and grab a wand and, you know, command things on the table. We never got there, but mm. we will someday. <laughs> but yeah. Speaking of extra actions, though, the next card is actually, I've heard, is very, very good for that reason.
0: Mm-hmm. So the Summoned Servitor... Yeah, this was also another uh, very interesting spicy one. The, the Mystic ones are definitely a little, uh, little out there in the set. So this is a uh, cost to asset. It's a summon. When you summon it, as an additional cost of play, you have to discard another asset you control. It makes the summon servitor enter play at your location. You can take one action during each of your turns, which can only be used to, to, to make the following action. The baseline is move to a connecting location. But a bunch of the upgrades give it other actions. Such as a fight action, uh, an evade action, an investigate action, and then um, you can also make it give it the ability to soak damage from investigators. It can pick you up and fly fly you around with Wings of the Night. That's like the big a, like one. A, like a yeah. nightgot? That's pretty good. Uh, yes, so basically, that's the big one. That's an extra move action for you, effectively, and you can move together with it. Yep. Um, for sure. You can make it take up less slots, and. The, you can lower the cost, basically, so instead of discarding, you can pick up the asset you play, and then the, the big one at the end is it can take two actions, two different actions, instead of one each, each of your turns. So, yeah, I'm picturing uh, this this one I also didn't get a chance to play with, but I'm picturing like you get the demonic influence, and you get a couple of the, the other actions, like the move with you, and maybe the fight, or the investigate, or whatever you need, so that you can trigger this to pick you up for free to move and then also do something yeah. else as an extra action. These these actions are all base for. They also, like, like the fight ignores aloof from retaliate, the uh, uh, evade uh, ignores alert and evasion. Or, excuse me, yeah, alert. I guess it doesn't ignore this. Is like, a new keyword in the new s- next set, so maybe that. Oh, elusive. elusive,
1: which I don't quite know yeah, yeah. what it does. It's like it's like aloof but for evading, right? anyway yeah basically like when you would fail it like leaves your location oh and so then exhausts it's... like it just runs away
0: oh okay so maybe it's a little different uh but yeah so i i can see the pieces on this one where where it if you get this yeah, out for sure it's basically an extra action every turn maybe even two extra actions mm-hmm. if you if you think about it
1: yeah it's pretty decently costed and like mystics always run out of spell charges right like if you're playing spell charges if you're playing even just like the little tome that lets you look at a card on the bottom of your deck and put it in your hand, that kind of thing. Like, pretty easy to get out. Like, you can kind of circumvent the cost. But again, this is, like, one of those that you kind of want to build around. Um, but it's it's one of the most d and esque ones for sure because you get a little summon, it gets a little action to do whatever it wants. But the big thing that you mentioned was that you get to... You ignore the aloof, retaliate, and alert. There's a lot of enemies that, like... That's the problem, right? Like, like it, this can jump on a whippoorwill for you and kill it easily. All those weird cultists that are all aloof and have doom on them that are really annoying, this can deal with it. Mm-hmm. Again, great. And so lower player counts where actions are more precious. I, I really like this card, but this is one of the only ones I haven't gotten around to playing yet. So I don't, unfortunately don't have too much to say about it, but I'm excited.
0: I, I am more interested in playing this because um, I, I, I guess I kind of forgot about it. How interesting it could be, yeah. The the being able to pick you up and like fly around with you is also very fun. Uh, that's a big one. Yeah. It does take up an ally slot and an arcane slot by default, right? Which, that's a lot of slots, but you can upgrade it so it yeah. takes like, one less of those. Mm-hmm. Like I I could see like doing dominance wings of night, one or two of the uh, the various upgrades that you fight or evade or investigate, and then like demonic influence. You know that 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 makes it up to like a, an eight experience once you're there, but yeah. I think that could still be good. Cost you to get it out and give you basically an extra sure. action. That, that that seems solid.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I like the potential of it. It seems really fun, and I'm I'm very excited to play it in a deck.
0: And it would be an excuse for me to find like some weird miniature I have of a monster and just be able to play it on the board. <laughs> you know? Like, I was very excited.
1: I, I can't <laughs> wait for that. I really wanted to do Hemlock Veil vale with you and Dan at some point, maybe next year or something. So yeah. I would love to see this come out for, from you with a sweet little mini.
0: I was very excited because I have uh, uh, Yonti, not Yonti, uh, the, uh, the guys from Sir, Sir, uh, City of Archives. like They're definitely miniatures of those things.
1: Oh, yeah, uh, the Yithian. Yithian,
0: yes, yeah. Again, Yonti, uh, again, I have Baldur's Gate in the brain. Snakes, little the snake, <laughs> snake people. Uh, but yeah, back to Arkham, though, this last, this last, is this the last Mystic
1: card? Last Mystic card, yeah. A cool it's cool So living ink. Uh, yeah, fantastic art. This is a zero-cost mystic asset, has no symbols on it, no commit symbols. It's a ritual. It's customizable. When you purchase it, you choose a skill and circle it on its upgrade sheet. As mentioned, never, never mark these cards, like, actually. Use, like, a, you know, like a erasable pen or or something. Like, don't, don't mark up your cards. I just have some
0: cheap sleeves that I throw on it, and I'll mark the sleeves, and I'll, yeah, I throw away a sleeve for 10 we use dry erase stuff and that's
1: that's been fantastic but anyway uses three charges remove one charge from living ink at the start of each of your turns if living ink has no charges discard it and then you just get plus one to the chosen skill so it's like a little stat buff that hangs out for two turns technically because the turn you play it and then two turns after that so you can circle any of the skills and then the upgrades give you uh more ways to keep it around most importantly though you can choose eldritch ink which is a two and then a three cost of the same thing that just lets you circle an additional skill. So if you play this and you sink 5 XP into it, you could circle three different skills and get plus one to all of those skills. Macabre uh, depiction is uh, after you reveal a chaos token with a symbol, you can exhaust it to place a charge on it, so you can hypothetically keep it around forever, which is really, really good for curse and bless stuff, because those count as symbols, and that's kind of like where I've seen it played, which it's really shined pretty great. And then the last one is huge, which is uh, Vibrancy. So for three, I should say, Macabre de- Depiction is three tallies. Vibrancy is three tallies as well, and it says it grants an additional plus one to the circled skills, but then minus one to each other skill. Which Mystics generally don't care about, because they don't, you know, if they're playing with a well-balanced team, they don't care about any other thing except for their will, right? So, we're gonna get to like this card in a deck, um, because I made a deck with it, and it's very, very, very much fun. But it can give you a really powerful plus two to, like, one or two skills if you use the Eldritching and stuff like that. Um, and also, this is another one where you can kind of help other people out, and you can put it on somebody else, too. You can task somebody else up.
0: I mean, this seems this seems very good. <laughs>
1: um, it is, yeah. Like, I mean, like, what does it compete with in the body slot, right? It's a, like, yeah,
0: it's a body slot. As you said, you can make it be plus plus like plus one to three skills, or you can make it plus two to, to two skills and, and minus... minus one to those skills. Actually, one, two, three. I oh, know. I guess you could do it plus two to three skills and minus two to the other skill if you wanted. You can. Um, I think the yes. key. I think the key is you want to be able to have ways to recharge it, which it looks like the macabre depiction. Um,
1: yeah. Like the other one is a subtle depiction.
0: Yeah, uh, what's so It started returning to... Oh, yeah, so, so you that, can
1: choose not to remove one charge. So if you know you're not going to be, you know, doing any fighting or something like that, you can just say, eh, I'm just going you know, to, heal you or whatever. Does that would you ignore
0: remove. the vibrancy, too, so you wouldn't have the penalty? I guess so, right? Ignore it Yeah, you, you're, 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 ignoring I, the, you're ignoring the whole card, yeah, i think so. right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the whole ability. So, so you kind of
1: return to normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So, yeah, I, I like this. It's one of those
1: washable tattoos. Revealing
0: a chaos token with a symbol on it, that includes blessed curse tokens so yes. now i'm thinking um because recently uh, the the mystic whose name is escaping me yeah uh um, kohaku but, yeah kohaku uh seems like he's gonna lean into blessed curse and now i'm like oh, i kind of want to yes kind of give this to him because my complaint with him oh, was yeah. i wasn't super impressed with get the some sweet line. tats but, <laughs> but now i'm hell like yeah. hell <laughs> you now i'm like okay this could fix that uh, and it's... Totally. E- even the base experience cost to, like, make it so that it recharges itself or has an extra skill on it, like the, the macabre action yeah. or, or the inks, that's not that much. like two It's not three? bad. It's not that bad. Yeah. And this is a body slot which competes with nothing and it can boost right. whatever stat you want for your build. Seems good. Yeah. Uh,
1: it's pretty good. <laughs> so, it's pretty good. Yeah. The biggest issue is the fleeting aspect of it, right? Yeah. that, that um, it Just, it'll, like, that it'll you know, drain. keeping it around.
0: Yeah, you want I mean, you want macabre
1: depiction or subtle depiction to help out. I mean, even even if it goes away, you
0: get it for three turns for one action. Yeah, that's not that's not terrible. And no resource. Yeah, it's kind of nuts. At that level, I wouldn't say it's good, but I would say not terrible. I would say it's pretty alright. Because we've yeah. seen we've seen other cards that like kind of only live for a few turns. Like what are they? The um, the ones that have horror on them and like they take they soak the horror first but they give you boosts until they die
1: oh yeah the the uh, like plucky and stuff right yeah so like like those can be good those are also
0: as good as long as you can figure out to keep them around so if you can keep this thing rolling it's yeah, sure. good and, and there's ways to add charges and mystics too right so that you could support with yep. other cards Definitely. that are also supporting Concoction your is so one long. of them yeah i like it yeah and art the art is also sick it's cool right <laughs> like akachi this... also comes in with plus 1 of this uh oh yeah that's true that's true I, i'm certain sur- is that gonna go we're up gonna later? get to that is that, is that a for oh yeah <laughs> tease tease for oh oh best. yeah okay But we're on to
1: the survivor cards yeah finally
0: so, <laughs> so the multi uh pocket multi-tool uh this is a survivor hand asset that costs three it is a tool which plays into uh uh kamani as well as uh, one of the upcoming investigators wilson yeah limit one per investigator customizable of course uh, during a skill test, you're performing. You exhaust the multi-tool, and you get plus one to that skill test. So that by itself takes a hand slide. Uh, yeah, it takes a hand slide. Not not that exciting, because uh, it's just like a, it's a plus one to any test. Uh, but once, wait, there's more. Round. But yeah, you can upgrade it, so um, you can make it be a plus two. And then for a specific test, you can also uh, enhance it for specific tests. So. Uh, like, on a fight, you can make it a plus two, or an evade, or an investigate. Those are all different upgrades, though, so you have to kind of, like, pick, like, oh, I'm going to focus on upgrading the fighting on this or whatnot. Yeah, yeah. And then the bottom two abilities, if you fail a skill test, you can ready it, which means you can have that boost if you're retrying the skill test. Mm-hmm. Or or if it, if it whiffs, you just get it back. And then the final ability makes it a reaction, which is uh, when you would fail the test, you get to trigger it. Yeah, uh, kind of like lucky, right? Which which makes it way better, <laughs> I think. Yes, it's like it,
1: lucky or granny orn level two. Having right. stuff
0: that's reactive is is like almost always better than stuff that is is uh, preemptive, right? Totally, so, totally, totally. I think I used this a little bit in something. It might have been Kimani, Um or I was playing with someone that was using it, and I think it it was decent in her, but there were it kind of got overpowered by by the end. In Mami, yeah. what's
1: what's your experience with this one? So. Harrison played this when when I played through with Harrison and our resident mystic expert Tim uh through Scarlet Keys one uh, one of our playthroughs and he honestly just never got at the table. like Kamani they just never saw it and so I don't really have too much experience with this but the most the thing that I'd be most interested in doing with this card is using it as like a support tool um where like if I'm only doing investigating or I'm only fighting or something like that like I would love to take this as like a using the deta- the detachable thing And the spring-loaded thing. So where for for five experience, basically anybody can trigger it and it gives everybody at the location like a plus one buffer to whatever test they're doing. Yeah. And then in in addition, you know, like if if you're doing more evading than anything else or, or, you know, investigating or whatever, um, if everybody can investigate, then, you know, there's no, it just says plus one skill value. So if you have a mystic and a rogue who are all using different stats, it doesn't matter. Because you can just trigger it on, you know, somebody's the Thief kit. Or you could trigger it on somebody's Shriveling or whatever, right? Like, it doesn't matter the skill. It just gives plus one or two to anything depending on the upgrades. So I really like it as, like, a support card. But honestly, like, it kind of is not great as, like, just, like, playing it for its base cost. Unless you're solo. I think if you're solo and there's not a lot of clues to get actions are really important and you kind of sink some experience into this i think it could be pretty decent because you know you're, you don't have to pick up multiple clues um and hopefully you're not going to have to do a lot of tests to like deal with enemies um ideally anyway but i wouldn't say it's like your main bread and butter like you know like a machete or whatever would be
0: i think the struggle with it is that that takes up a hand slot i think with kamani yes. we kind of only saw it out when when they like tool belt out um, or, or a hidden pocket with illicit or whatever to, to so that like yeah. it was, it's not a primary hand slot item. It was, uh, I got extra slots now I can slot it in there and it's decent enough. So... For sure, uh, but I do like I do like it as I don't think we did detachable. I I could see it like even like on like Bob or someone, right? Um, with detachable,
1: uh, Bob can't upgrade it. What? Oh <laughs> uh, no, uh, Mark, put <laughs> yes, a put a dollar
0: in the jar or whatever for the freaking to get the the to just work. Uh, yeah, right, never mind then. With somebody like Preston, <laughs> I don't know. Um,
1: um, but it, it it, I'm sure there's some support that could use it. What, yeah, is there another red support character? uh like sure support wendy daryl can kind of do it right because yeah. daryl can decrease anybody's skill tests by two
0: yeah. but daryl mm. can just pass every test himself you know I, yeah I, yeah yeah
1: i i, I men, can, men can do it
0: i can see some uses for it i just think i feel like the drawback of the cost and the hand slot are, are pretty pretty hard it's to rough. get over so for sure um grizzled. yeah grizzled grizzly grizzly, grizzly. So this is a skill is this the first customizable skill has there been any other ones? I've already forgotten.
1: Uh it is. I believe it is,
0: yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And it's got a guy yeah, that I think looks like that? um what's his name? Nicholas Nicholas, Nicholas Holtz? Is that the actor? He plays like the Beast. The and the do I have no piece, idea who that is. And he's in the, the Dan, tell us. The crown or whatever. Uh he's in a bunch of stuff. He was in the uh the menu and not. Anyway. It's kind of Nicholas Holt shooting uh some type of cultist on it, but the card itself is a skill with one one wild icon. When you purchase Grizzled, you pick two traits to put on the upgrade sheet, and then if you use if it, a skill test if the skill test you commit to, it committed to is on or against an encounter card that has the chosen trait, you get plus two symbols. Uh, it, it reminds you that it includes fighting, evading, and parlaying because enemy cards are encounter cards. So right, and then like the upgrades are you can add more traits. Solid. You can attach the skill card to whatever, to an enemy, if you're successful with it, to reduce feature tests. You can use it to banish a treachery to the victory display yes. with itself, which that's pretty good. So you Big. can get rid, get rid of some Big. nasty treacheries. And the last one is, if you draw an encounter card with the trait, you can pull a Grizzled from your Disco Call back to your hand so you can recur it uh, when you need it, which is nice.
1: Yeah, yeah. It basically it pulls itself back to your hand when you encounter the thing that you don't like, right?
0: Yeah. So this card, so I, I think, this. is very powerful on repeat playthroughs when you know what's coming. Yes. If you're doing that's a, exactly it. If you're doing a blind playthrough, it's trash.
1: Because <laughs> honestly, that's... though, like I, I so this card inspired a very, very late night deep dive into all of the ca- all of the treacheries that have ever existed in the game. Oh boy. And. <laughs> And Ren is not going to sit here and spend, you know, the next 45 minutes talking about that. But what I will say is that the most prevalent traits, if you're going to go in with this card and be like, what should I pick? Uh, humanoid is a very reliable one. There's a lot of humanoids, at least at the beginning of of sequences. Like all generally cultists are humanoids anyway. So maybe not cultists, but definitely humanoid. Monster is a very good one. There's generally monsters. Mm-hmm. In all of the the encounter sets that are bit, pretty big and scary and and not great, and the other one is terror, which is like frozen in fear. There's a lot of terrors across all the encounter sets. A lot sets of that tests that have little tests on them, if they're not like
0: hexes or terrors. So
1: yeah, and the mythos hardened one um, is super super powerful. I used this in a run where we were Gloria and Yorick, and there were like no encounter cards, no threatening encounter cards left in the encounter. That we were intentionally like. Warping the deck, right? Because Yorick <laughs> could add something to the victory display by burying it deep, and then he can grizzle two uh, two encounter cards. It was nuts. We had like ten cards out of the out of the deck, and it was it was a good time. Yeah, yeah, um but really, it. like Mythos Hardened is like a very very powerful powerful thing. In how low can you go? This is one of the better tech cards for that mm. because there are two things like philosophobia There are two encounter cards specifically that increase in difficulty the lower level you are. So those scaling cards, or even, like, there's a couple in the Circle Undone that, like, once three are added to the victory display, it pops, and then all of them do something horrible to you. Mm. I forget what the card is called, but if you just take one of the cards out of that set, it just can't trigger, so you don't ever have to worry about the other two copies. So very, very powerful effect here. Um, And this is definitely one of the better customized circle cards, for sure. Um, And one of the more that I was very excited to play.
0: Being able to, to neuter the encounter deck like that is... Can really make a scenario hosting <laughs> yes, especially if, For sure. If you have Gloria there too, Gloria's bonkers, man. Uh, like, <laughs> like
1: Yes. For, absolutely. And and Nemesis is also pretty good. That was the one that I was like eh the the least excited about, but reducing tests like in the faction that has like all the interesting um, you know, if this test is zero, you know, do something extra or whatever. This has like pretty cool synergy with a lot of those things. And it's not elite like it or it does it's not not a lane, i should say so you can use this on like a boss and reduce its you know evade to to two or whatever and it just makes it easier for everybody to deal with it's pretty good
0: yeah it's true i didn't, didn't not the lack of the non-elite clauses could be great it's um, pretty
1: cool yeah so i think it's a great card i agree
0: and you're right if you just pick some common traits then you can even go use it in a blind run probably pretty effectively So and. You can alter. You can make up. Like if you realize, oh, there's a bunch of cultists in there. I didn't pick that. I guess I'll just grab level one specialist. So,
1: yeah, for sure. But subsequent playthroughs, absolutely, this card is baller. You know, serpents for the Forgotten Age, which you could do. Witch or you could do humanoid or whatever for for Circle Undone, etc. There's a lot of cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Creature is a good one. But the last card, the last of the of the colored anyway cards, the class cards, Tripwire. Oh no, I'm sorry. I put tripwire here. It's makeshift trap. Mm -hmm. Forget everything I just said. (laughs) Makeshift trap is a one cost survivor event that has an intellect and a agility symbol on it. Uh, It's an improvised and a trap. It uses two time. If makeshift trap has no time, discard it. Attach to your location. Each non lead enemy at the attached location gets minus one fight, minus one evade, and then forced at the end of the round, you remove a trap uh, time from it. And then all of the upgrades are where it gets really interesting. Because that is kind of like, a, again, one of those 0.85 sort of like, yeah, okay, you can make them a little weaker, but doesn't affect elites. I'm going to jump straight to it. Go you can put it. dynamite on this thing. You can literally put dynamite on it. You can literally, it says, when makeshift trap has no time and is discarded, deal three damage to each enemy and investigator at this location, right? And that's four for tallies. So it's a lot. But you can kind of like, if you're stacking that with a lot of the other ones, you can make for some like really powerful plays, especially uh, net is another really good one. Net says not elite enemies at the patch location cannot move or make attacks of opportunity. So like generally speaking, when things hunt, you can choose where they hunt, like where the location is. So you can get them trapped in this net. And then while they're there, again, they can't move or make attacks of opportunity. Like they're just, as long as the net is there, they're just, they're just not going to move for the rest of the, how you know, however long. Um, you can set it at an, a remote location. Poisonous is also really cool. Whenever you remove one time, you can deal a damage to an enemy, any enemy, not just non-elite. Simple, you can make it fast and you play during any fast action window. And then you can kind of preserve it, only use it when there's an enemy there. And then you can improve the timer where it gets plus one or minus one time, depending on when you want to use it, which is really cu- really good for the uh, the explosive device aspect of it. I use this card in a parallel Pete playthrough, and he's probably the best user of it. He's the best user for all the traps. Uh, because you can once one of your traps runs out, you can return it to your hand. So you can basically infinitely makeshift mm. trap explode things. Which is fun. It is so <laughs> fun and it's so good. Because the three damage is also not just non-elite enemies. Yeah, it's a full it's a full dynamite. It's so it's so cool. <laughs> it's so cool.
0: Yeah. I like it. Both uses of this where you can either, like, have it slowly bleed an enemy down that's, like, stuck there, um, yep. or just blow oh, yeah. everything up. Some of these upgrades make it so you can pretty easily control when that happens, right, and have what enemies are there. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: I'm glad you mentioned that, because the poisonous aspect is also, it's kind of like a vicious, not a vicious blow, but it's, like, sometimes does the third point of damage to something. Like, if you know something's gonna hunt into your location or whatever, they'll move, hunt, maybe attack you, but then they'll also take a tick of damage, and then you and finish them off next turn so it's pretty efficient
0: i mean the uh like having tripwire so that it doesn't tick down when nothing's there is great yeah i I like that just having the improved timer and explosive device (laughs) dropping it and running away that it explodes oh yeah (laughs) you know the net makes it so the things can't chase you after you and then they explode and die or the remote config i like there's a lot of uses here um it's simple to make it fast (laughs) So you could you can play just play it during enemy phase or whatever like oh there's, yeah
1: there's good stuff here so it's
0: fun. it's fun fun time you know oh
1: yeah for sure <laughs> it's it's so much fun to play um and so survivors have the the best way even if you're not parallel pete you can resourceful it back right um you can you can get it back pretty pretty efficiently so you can you can make this kind of like the centerpiece of your deck. And I played this in, in, again, Parallel with Pete, and I played it in a Rita deck where, like, you're using the the bow that attacks you at adjacent locations, and then this just kind of poisoned them passively. So it was a lot of fun. You're, like, kind of like a commando, like, setting up traps everywhere and shooting bows at other locations and things. It was it was a good time, for sure. Yeah. So makeshift trap is great. Yeah, I definitely think it's a cool one.
0: But there is a neutral, customizable, the Hyperphysical Shotcaster. I guess it's only theoretical, but it is a <laughs> <laughs> aka the control gun yeah it's a cost for asset it's a relic weapon firearm item it has uses for aether i guess because they wanted to add something else that we couldn't interact with any other card yay you could spend an aether to resolve one of the shotcasters manifest resolve the manifest ability of the hyperserver Hyperphysical Shotcaster's
1: current form
0: and uh, Free Trigger exhaust it to change its form. So
1: actually at level 0 it doesn't do anything, right? Because it has no... I was going to say, it's basically like the concoction yeah. where it's like you basically just don't play this card at level 0. Yeah. You put it in your deck because maybe you're rabbit holing or whatever, but like, yeah. yeah. You only get this card when you actually get experience because it can only do things then. Right.
0: So it, yeah, it takes up a hand slot and it, yeah, it doesn't do anything until it gains manifests. So... The first half, of the manifest just kind of give it slightly upgraded basic actions like it gives it a fight, but that does plus one damage. An investigate that uh, gets a clue, or right, it gets a clue at any location. Yep. An uh, evade that lets you move, investigate or warn enemy a location to a connecting location or vice versa. Yes. Uh, that's kind of neat. Really
1: good with tripwire. <laughs>
0: And then uh, let's see. You can use it. You can, you can give it a manifest that lets you discard treacheries from play. Um, mm-hmm. There's one that lets you take an asset, do a test against that asset's costs, and then you can play that asset for free. And then uh, there's also the just you get, it starts with extra aether, uh, or you get plus skill value when you manifest stuff. And this can kind of fill in any gap that any investigator has. <laughs> um, yeah, it's for sure. Because uh, I, I didn't mention it, but all those te- all the tests that this lets you do are with any skill. Yes. So you can automatically use whatever your best skill is to do everything you need to do in the game, right? Fight, destiny. <laughs> yes, very much. But it is limited in that it has this aether for uses, so you can only get so many uses out mm-hmm. of it, and there's no way to recharge it in the game right now, and I sort of expect there never will be. <laughs> I guess I'd be surprised if we see something else with aether on it, but you never know. Yeah. And all these upgrades are like two or four. So you can't do everything with it. You have to you have to pick like, oh I wanna be able to fight with it, or I wanna be able to evade with it, or I wanna save myself money with it or whatever. Yeah. But I think it's decent. <laughs> um Yeah. If you need a way to fight and you don't wanna have to be able to worry about your combat skill or whatever and you're uh, or, or you wanna be able to investigate and you have trash intelligence and you wanna be able to use your agility or, or your fight even, this is the way to do that. Mm-hmm.
1: This card is very notable for solo play, I think, Mm -hmm. um, because it allows any of the people who are previously very bad at solo, like, you know, if you're doing Daisy or if you're doing just like somebody like Mandy or whatever, or somebody who has classically very bad fight, it allows you a way in to like, oh, now you actually have a pretty efficient way to deal damage. And also if you need to evade things or whatever, like it just shores up whatever weakness is in the deck. Um, You can, as long as you have a, a very big investment in one skill, even like a mystic player, once you're done with the ether, you know, Dexter can just turn it into something else. Or if you're a survivor, you can play it back from your discard pile. There's that one new card that came out that's like two experience and you get to choose an item in your discard pile and play it again, or you can remove it from the game and gain, gain resources equal to its cost. Good for both of those options. So like, there's a lot of classes and a lot of people like, like Wendy, for example, who isn't really particularly good at either investigating or fighting, who could make use of it. Again, Parallel can B can, like, use it to move things into an explosive trap, which is fantastic. But, you know, there's a lot of, there's just a lot of cool things you can do with it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think it's a good card.
0: I think it's interesting. It is
1: is a little pricey
0: to get on the board, but what it can do can, can definitely help you out.
1: Yeah, and again, like, the biggest issue with all of these cards is the experience. The amount of experience that you need to put into them before they kind of start returning a good investment. Is kind of like the general philosophy of like, oh, we need to design these, but also we need to like really make sure we're tampering like how good they are base kit or even like, you know, with a couple experience sunk into it. Mm. But that's why I wanted to c- talk quickly about some cards before we get to the deck. Finally, refine and down the rabbit hole. So refine is a card very similar to like what's the mystic, the other mystic one, not down the rabbit hole, but um things that allow you to upgrade spells that are in your deck and it, you take a mental trauma um kind of a thing like it's very specifically refine is made for um customizable cards the one that put
0: the, you, we used to put in every single mistake <laughs> stay yes care. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. carry over
1: the name of it too much Faller's but Gate. this is the first double we've seen it's three <laughs> cost event that just says immediately mark a checkbox on your upgrade sheet for a customizable card you own even if it's not in play max once per game per investigator and then it's a double so you have to spend two actions and this card is like for me this is very important to have in my decks because i even if I get one or two triggers off of it during the course of the game, uh, or the the campaign rather, I would say that it's kind of, like, earned its hold, because um, there are just some turns where you're like, maybe I don't know what to do. Maybe for an investigator it would be a little, you know, su- more sus, or a clue picker up or whatever. Yeah, I mean, so
0: you're trading, what, two actions, three money, and a card for one experience, which, mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like a lot, but we also, like, play Delve. It is a lot. You know, Dell and- <laughs> yes Self costs water it can, it can often cost you much
1: actions <laughs> um, i am an xp goblin ben yeah i understand i need as much uh, as i can get we're on the same page there i think <laughs> for the most part so. yes so like refine i always put at least one of and if i have multiple like things if the whole point is to upgrade the customizable things i put in two because it has two defensive stats on it as a commit so like even once you've played it and if you're cycling through your deck it's not terrible but down the rabbit hole is maybe even more interesting for me because you were talking about playing a Koha Haku deck, mm. and Down the Rabbit Hole actually just synergizes with these very, very well, because they it reduces the cost of the first check marks you make on any of your customizable cards, which is super cool and super powerful. So if you have both Refine and Down the Rabbit Hole, and you're a Mystic player, and you're playing Delve Two Deeps, you're just getting so much value and so much XP that you can really afford to, to pump a lot of XP to make these cards really worth it. So I think that that's like, these are some of the options here. Um, again, with the Refine, maybe a one-of in most decks. If you find it, great. If you don't, maybe next time. Mm. Um, and then eventually you want to upgrade out of it into something else. So there's kind of like an inherent non-bow with Down the Rabbit Hole in Refine in that you kind of want to pull that out of your deck at a certain point. But I think the experience that you get up front is worth the having to pull it out later. With that said, so I didn't actually come up with the deck that we were, we I wanted to talk about today. Um, My friend uh, Jeff, who is one of the folks in our Discord and a player from Mass, showed me this deck that was an Akachi deck that uses Runic Axe, because Akachi can play anything with charges on it, 0-4, to Mm. and Living Ink as the two kind of like customizable highlight cards. And I thought this deck was way cool, because Akachi can just be the main fighter in your your, uh, group easily with this. So I'm not going to talk about the whole deck, but I'm going to talk about the the customizable cards as it pertains to Akachi. Both these cards have charges on them. So whenever then they come in, they get, you know, an additional charge, which is fantastic for Living Ink specifically. And Runic Axe, for the first time that you active, or the first turn that you use it, you actually have five charges instead of four, which is kind of neat. But mostly the Living Ink is the biggest part of it. And the Living Ink, basically, you can upgrade two different skills with the Living Ink. So you can upgrade your Combat and your will, so that way whether you're using shriveling or the runic axe, it's relevant. you Can get the plus two to both of them. So Akachi's fighting at a base five with just one living ink down. The runic axe makes that a six plus. You know, if you're using accuracy, that's an eight. You know, you have a four of cups, and the runic axe is just super, super powerful uh, as like your main fighting weapon. And like I said, the weakness of the runic axe is that you know if you're in a three or four player where you're getting a lot of enemies, the runic axe kinds of runs out, and you need other options. But Akachi has just that. Akachi has Storm of Spirits, Spectral Razors, Shrivelings, Azure Flames. If you wanted to use like suggestions or anything else that that mitigate enemies, you can. So she's super, super flexible in terms of that. And it's just a super fun, interesting, customizable, like centric build to run. If you need more charges on it, you can get like your recharge out. The only reason why there's a recharge level 2 in here is because I took down the rabbit hole and in the thick of it. In the thick of it is like kind of the way that you can get around having to pay extra experience for some of the cards right off the bat. So that's like the the side deck here is really just more of like a reference or maybe, you know, if you're taking uh, in the thick of it down the rabbit hole, you can, you know, sub in a couple suggestions that you can upgrade with down the rabbit hole later. But I included the upgraded version here as well um, with like Runic Axe and Living Ink and all of the experience that, you know, you might need to upgrade all of the cards just to showcase that like down the rabbit hole has a lot of targets for reducing cost and that you don't really need to stray from including new cards that aren't in the base deck in this deck. So I think this deck is a really good candidate for both down the rabbit hole and customizable cards. I think the only mention would be that you are probably eventually going to want to get rid of the refine which you're going to have to pay extra experience for. But this inked up axe woman deck was fantastic when I ran it and when I saw it ran the first time Um, I just thought it was really interesting and innovative that uh, Akachi has an extra thing to use for the Living Ink and is just a really good fighter with this deck. A lot of different Promise of Power, Courage, Guts level 2s, like super, super big powerhouse cards that help her kind of accelerate through her deck and get to high stats. So that's just one example of of a good customizable deck. There's probably a lot of other ones out there. Like I said, Rex with the Raven Quill. Yorick can use Grizzled and Tripwire to pretty good effect. And I, th- I'm glad we went through this because the customizable cards are really complex, and I know this is going to be a really long episode. But I think that it's, it makes sense because it's these are very complex, very difficult cards to evaluate at face value until you're starting to tinker with them, starting to include them in decks. So I hope this was helpful.
0: Yeah, I mean, even personally, I haven't tried them all. You've, <laughs> you've done the effort to, to really try almost all of them. I've done maybe six or seven of them, so I'm more excited about the ones I haven't tried yet. And I'm excited to uh, hope other people reach out on Discord and maybe tell us about a couple of the custom Mobile house cards that surprised them. Um, this inked up deck looks very, yeah. <laughs> looks very, looks very fun. It's running around with the Axbury people, so I'm sure yeah. there's a cool, oh, cool yeah. decks out there.
1: Yes, and Ben is definitely going to try the Kohaku inked, yeah. inked up. You know, shenanigans That's for in sure. My brain
0: now. So <laughs> hope, I'll hopefully, I'll remember it in three months when he comes out.
1: Yeah. When it comes out, and when hundreds of hours of Baldur's Gate haven't consumed you, oh, hopefully by
0: then I'll I'll be free from Baldur's <laughs> Gate. Maybe we'll see. I don't know. They just released a patch that added some stuff, so I don't know. <laughs> but uh, no,
1: yeah. I think that's it for customizable cards, though, right? And with all of the Scarlet Keys player cards, we finally got through all the ones that we could. What is everybody's favorite customization? Are you also hoping for more customizable cards in the future? Let us know, reach out to us, leave us a comment or email us at comments at mur.fm. Follow us on social networks, including Instagram, Facebook, or join our Discord server just to hang out with us. Subscribe to us on YouTube and Twitch. You can find the links to all these at social.mur.fm. If you really enjoy what we do, we always appreciate a nice review on your favorite podcast source. Uh, It really helps others find us. Thanks everybody for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye everybody.